What's up, Zoe? How are you doing? Hi, Rex. I'm great. How are you? Long time, no pod. Really long time. Like a year and a half. <laughs> We've been on a pod hiatus for a bit. If you guys don't know, we had a podcast. We still have a podcast called Millennial Trash. Um, and we talked about millennial topics. <laughs> Life just got really busy. Pandemic happened. And uh, we just haven't found the time to do so. Um, but how you been, Sonia? Even though it's only been a year and a half, we both, a lot happened. Mm-hmm. And I think like us going through the pandemic, you know, going through like life changes. <laughs> yeah. Millennial trash kind of, we closed that chapter with, with that chapter of our lives. Yep. Yeah, I think um, the reason why we're recording today is a, a few weeks ago, I was just sitting around feeling kind of, not like anxious, but I feel like I wanted to do something that was creative. I think work is going fine, personal life is going fine, but I felt like I haven't been creative in such a long time. And, you know, I was like making things or creating things that kind of resonate with folks. And, um, I did, and also I'm at a point too, I'm old. So I feel I'm at a point where I want to. Not that you're as old as you feel, Rex. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, I think, well, I feel like, I'm, I guess I'm old because I'm at a point where I feel like I have to pass down. I feel the urge to pass teachings, knowledge or wisdom or value to other people. And I just w- was, couldn't find something that really connected those two dots. I tried writing and blogging in, but I just have no pa- like passion at all for writing. Writing's a pain in the ass. I can't do it anymore. It's so, hard to be super creative when so much has changed, and we're still we're still dealing with repercussions of the the pandemic. I mean, COVID is still here. Yeah, I think we're slightly emerging, but you know, people are still figuring out what the the life scape is now. But, uh, but yeah, like, um, but then I thought about it. And I realized, like, man, like, you know, I've been working as a marketer for what, like, um, almost 10 years now. Uh, I have a lot of people, I, people come to me for, you know, tips, advice, critique and stuff. And I'm like, man, like, I could, you know, offer some good marketing advice to people. But how do I do it in a very scaled, but also not so boring way, which I actually enjoy. And then I realized that I listened to marketing podcasts like Spotify and a hundred percent of them are pretty shitty or boring. <laughs> and I'm they like, are like dull. Yeah, they are it's, dull. Like, it's like you go into a conference and you hear a bunch of like suits just talking about whatever. <laughs> and like, I just get turned off so easily. And then marketing in general is like such a innovative, creative and fun industry to work in. And I'm like, man, like, how come there's nothing out there? Well, maybe I haven't discovered it yet, but there's nothing I've heard that really speaks to me as a marketer. But then yeah. like, the light bulb went off and said, hey, me and Sonia had a podcast. Sonia's a marketer. We had good banter and conversations. And we presented things in a very like entertaining and casual way. We and hope. Yeah, we hope. <laughs> yeah, so I, I hit up Sonia. I say, hey, Sonia, let's get some drinks and let's talk about this. And then we ended up here. Yeah, Rex said the magic words, which was happy hour. Those are my, like, if I were a genie, that's how you would summon. <laughs> you get summoned. And like, oh, 
Melissa already on deck. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I also think the marketing podcasts that are out there, they shoot really high up the ladder, right? Like it's always the interview with the CMO who changed the game and the founder. Yeah. And that's, there's a lot of people behind those people, their teams. And yeah. so do I ever get a podcast with like the director or, you know, the senior manager? No, uh -huh. it's, it's not relatable in that way either. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think too, like we want to be relevant. It's like some of the podcasts that I listen to, like they talk about things that aren't that exciting or fun. Like talking about like, well, like mayonnaise or cars and stuff like that. At the end of the day, like as a consumer or, every, or an everyday person, you're hit with marketing 24 seven, even if you don't realize it from the commercials you see, the websites you visit to just being on the street marketing happens 24 seven. And I think um, Sonia and I were talking, um, like we want to speak to those people that are not like say 20, like full-time marketers. We want to talk to folks who have a, maybe have a slight interest in marketing or just want to know how they're being engaged with different brands and whatnot. And hopefully we can just spark some good discussions and conversations to make people realize that, oh, that's what that campaign meant or that's what that ad is trying to make me do. Uh, because at the end of the day, like we as marketers, I'll be flat out blunt, like we're trying to manipulate you to spend money. And there's a whole variety of different ways that people do it. And I think like to make consumers more smarter, I think we we as marketers could share that insider knowledge and help people see, you know, behind the, all the, the flashy things they're seeing. Yeah. Or not even realize like fun facts the reason I became a marketer is because in college I learned that the reason women shave is because of a Gillette campaign <laughs> really literally no other reason go look it up you'll see <laughs> introducing Venus from Gillette the first razor designed to make you feel like a goddess protective cushion surrounds three blades for the closest shave ever in just one stroke so close your skin stays smoother long. i was like man that's like mind control i want it i want that because I'm <laughs> oh yeah yeah definitely. <laughs> that's crazy so yeah well branching off that so i guess like for folks that don't know us and like they might be saying who's rex and lit uh, rex and sonia uh, what do they have to say about marketing how do <laughs> what credibility do they have so I guess Sonia, we should probably give folks um, a quick background check on us. But then Sonia, what was your first job in marketing? My first job in marketing was I was working for this editorial company and they kind of saw the writing on the wall with blogs and content not being as lucrative. So they took all the brands that were advertising display ads which if you don't know what those are, they're, they're the ads where if you're reading through an article, they pop up, they're the most annoying things. Now they're videos, but they used to be static or just like a short animation. Yeah. Took all of those clients and we turned them into content marketing clients. We started doing like advertorials for them. So <laughs> content marketing was my first job. Yeah. Um, but I've done everything from acquisition to social media, to influencers, to growth marketing, to CRM, 
and yeah and beyond (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh, myself my first marketing job was so I used to be an accountant back in the day and I was the boringest job on the planet so I went to business school and made the switch to marketing which I enjoyed I think what sparked my interest about marketing kind of falls what you said I started a blog years ago I was just writing about music art food all that stuff and then I was getting contacted by brands that, hey, come out to this event, write about it. Being naive back then, I was like, oh, that's cool. I got to go to this concert for free and this and that. But then I didn't realize that I was doing just promotional advertising for these brands and they're utilizing me as a channel to reach an audience, you know? Yeah. So that kind of perked my interest, went to business school after the work. My first marketing job ever, actually, was at Time Inc., which is now defunct because nobody was. Oh. Nobody uses magazines anymore. Uh, I worked on Sports Illustrated, golf magazines, Sports Illustrated for kids. So that was kind of cool. Then just, you know, bounced around, went to Showtime, went to Uber Eats, where that's where I met Sonia. And we did a lot of cool, crazy stuff there, which we can share more about uh, during this podcast. And then- uh, Yeah, now it's been long enough that we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, the statute of limitations is gone. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, and both of us are at, like a director level now. My specialty is really in brand marketing, which means um, anything from creative to, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. It's it's creative, it's social media, it's thing that makes you fall in love with a brand. Got it, yeah, I think that's really important and we can dive more into that. And for me, I just, I focus on CRM, loyalty, and customer engagement in my current role. So trying to kind of like in similar in Sonia's vein, but I do it more with like emails, push, digital strategy type of things. So I think Sonia's job is more fun while more tactical. (laughs) (laughs) I also think like the best marketers have both sides of their brain working. And I do lean more on the right side, the creative side, the right side. (laughs) more on the left side, the analytic side, which is why we were such good partners at Uber Eats. Yeah. And also why we're your dynamic duo for all things marketing. That's true. We give both sides of the story. But uh, diving into it, so we kind of came up with a format for this podcast to keep it, give it some structure. Uh, so, you know, like we have to, like, one little segment we want to run is word of the day, which we want to, which was like a pretty, commonly used marketing term and kind of like break it down in a very quick, easy, and very understandable way for those non-marketers out there. Yeah, because marketers love acronyms. <laughs> Every single person I've worked with who starts their career in marketing is like, I need a dictionary. Definitely. You just said CRM, like what? Like, oh, yeah. like it was nothing. But then like also too, there's so many acronyms. I don't even know what the real full word is. I just don't know that. It's customer relationship, <laughs> email marketing. But that isn't even our word of the day. There's just so many acronyms we can't even cover. What is our word of the day? Rex? The word of the day is the name of this podcast, Stuck in Funnel. So Sonia, I'm going to break it down for the folks out there. What, why are we calling uh, it? Of course, I read a second funnel. And I guess like, why are we calling this podcast, a second funnel podcast. Yeah. So you're going to hear this term stuck in funnel. It refers to the marketing funnel, which you can Google. It's not that hard to understand. It's basically the 
the way that brands bring you in and get your money if <laughs> we're just being blunt. Yep. But on the marketing side, we call it that the path to acquisition, which is like, how do we get you to choose our product um, and engage with us? So stuck in funnel means that you've engaged with us in some way, you've engaged with the brand in some way, but you haven't purchased yet. So you've either followed us on Instagram or clicked into our app, but you haven't given us your money yet. <laughs> and, you know, you, maybe you've even added to cart, yep. right? And like that's you know those times when you're like, had too much wine and you add a bunch of stuff to your Amazon cart, but then you have that small nugget of consciousness where you're like, I should wait until morning. <laughs> That's you being stuck in the funnel. And that's when a lot of aggressive marketing happens. If you guys notice when you add stuff, your cards or even session, a website or anything, that's when you get blasted with emails and ads and trying to get you unstuck in the funnel. You know? Yeah. That's when people say stuff like now I'm being followed around the internet by this. <laughs> it's because we're trying to get you to, you know, to convert, to get out of the funnel. Yeah. And the reason we wanted to call this podcast Stuck in Funnel is because we don't want to follow you around on the internet. <laughs> we just want to be a place where if you feel like your brain is stuck in funnel, you don't know what to do next, you're kind of in a sticky situation or not feeling super creative, you come listen to us, come ask us, and we'll be here. And hopefully we do. So uh, that was a regular day, stuck in funnel. Wish we had like, you know, like on Sesame Street, they have the word of the day, they have like the magical sounds. You know, here. just imagine it in your mind, like. Or I could add it in uh, post-production actually. Yeah, <laughs> that was stuck in funnel. Okay, moving on to our next se segment, hot topics. So there's a lot happening in the marketing world this week, Rex, in the last few yeah. weeks. Um, we've pulled some of the most interesting ones. So we'll start out with a really strong one. <laughs> I would say it's strong. Uh, Build-A-Bear did a campaign for sexy, horny, <laughs> uh, what they were calling their after dark collection for Valentine's Day. And they somehow managed to make teddy bears look horny. Oh my God. So, uh, do you happen to know what makes them look horny? They were wearing super skimpy outfits because do you remember Build-A-Bear? You got to choose yeah, their yeah. outfits, their shoes, yeah. you know, kitten heels and like <laughs> a bodysuit on a bunny rabbit. Oh Imagine that. <laughs> so what's their, what's their strategy behind this? If Build-A-Bears are meant for kids, obviously, are they trying to tap a new adult market out there trying to get like a really sexy gift for Valentine's Day? Yeah, so I think if we want to break it apart, first of all, there's a big theme of nostalgia to target millennials. If you think about a lot of the Super Bowl ads, see Anna Kendrick, Barbie, literally the Super Bowl halftime show, you know, companies are realizing that millennials are getting older, oh, their household incomes are doubling, uh, some of us, not all of us. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> and 
to to reach that customer and reach those wallets what we like and what we miss is is childhood um, so i think a lot of millennials engaged with build a bear in like their strip mall in their suburban town and so i think the first one was to get millennials attention and i i wouldn't be surprised if they actually got revenue from these products as like joke gifts because a lot of people feel like Valentine's Day is overhyped. It's, you know, Hallmark holiday. And then I think second strategy is just brand awareness. They got a lot of press coverage. Yeah, I'm sure. Deservedly so, in my opinion, it was a great yeah. campaign. So yeah. just bringing Build-A-Bear top of mind to parents, right? So even if I am a, a millennial parent and I think that's hilarious, <laughs> oh wait, I haven't taken my kids to Build-A-Bear yet. Yeah. Were there any, uh, was there any outrage from any con those pa conservative parents out there? They're like, oh, I don't want little Susie to see bear in sexy pajamas or to actually yeah. choose sexy pajamas for this bear. Yes, there was some backlash, but I do think it helped them. And it also wasn't their, tar I do believe that the strategy was millennials and their target customer wasn't angry they thought it was funny the people who thought it was like creepy or gross were a little bit older <laughs> so this was not meant for them so it's okay yeah i think that's one thing about like uh, calling brand extensions it's kind of like you it's a risk when sometimes when you're foray to a new product or like a, a more risque uh extension of your brand but then if you one have a good strategy behind it and know who you're targeting with it and do a good job at marketing it, it won't be that risky, you know? Um, I don't know. Can you think of any, like, say, failed brand extensions that you've known, like, that you can recall? Like, any brands that try to do something different, but they just, like, flop in their ass? I mean, there's plenty of examples. <laughs> what about Delete Uber? But that wasn't a brand campaign that we <laughs> Yeah, that will have to be a follow-up in the next episode and some homework for us. Yeah, well, we can do it. I'm just like, I guarantee you there's like so many brands out there that try to be a little risky, innovative, quote-unquote, creative, but then they didn't do their due diligence or strategy, and then you just kind of like, it just backfired on them, you know? But sometimes it ends up being okay. If you even think of Carhartt, which is like oh. this truck, I mean, what I would describe as a trucking hunting yeah outdoor brand they recently had a mandate that all their employees needed to be vaccinated and then most of their consumers are on the conservative side of the political spectrum and we're doing that thing where they burn their carhartt uh -huh. and they uh -huh. boycott carhartt but then there was kind of this other opposition where now really trendy influencer women in right. LA are wearing Carhartt. Yeah, I see that. So you kind of have to you, be flexible, evaluate your risks, um, even if you don't know they're coming. But I think that there's there's ways to spin it uh, that that can be beneficial. I mean, even the Peloton campaign. <laughs> yeah, Peloton's there we mentioned it every every podcast ever has mentioned it, but yeah. their response to that I thought was great. And I think 
people are focusing on their declining, you know, revenue streams and they're attaching that to that story. But I don't think that that um, Mr. Big dying on a pillow <laughs> will kill that brand. And I think their their commercial after it was a perfect response and a good example of how you can know by now, turn Mr. things Big like that around. Of a heart attack. I didn't know that until this morning shortly after completing a vigorous workout on his Peloton. Yeah, during our meeting, I found out with his instructor Allegra shares for the companies actually plummeted after the premiere episode. But Ryan and Chris are here to save the day as a new ad seems to suggest that Big actually fakes his Peloton induced heart attack. Take a look. Um, one topic that I saw this past week that was pretty interesting as you saw today, was uh, uh, Kanye's releasing his next album on his own uh, music streaming player. This is pretty interesting because Kanye obviously is a very controversial dude and he's always trying to disrupt and quote unquote innovate. Well, he's a pretty big innovator too, but he's releasing his next album, I mean, called Donda 2 on his STEM music player which is a $200 music player that kind of looks like an Alexa device. And he's not going to put it on Spotify, Apple, uh, and all the other big DSPs, digital streaming uh, platforms out there. And I think this is pretty interesting from a marketing standpoint, because you're using exclusivity to try to sell a product, right? So if you have an in-demand product like his upcoming album, which I'm sure like a lot of the, the youth are really excited to listen to, and you're using exclusivity to move it towards something that you want to sell or move, which is like your STEM music player, and put it only on that, that's going to force people to, you know, potentially buy that thing. And which then in terms like helps you generate not just music revenue, but also revenue of selling that product. And who knows if people are going to spend 200 bucks just listening to an album. I'm not. I'm just going to wait for someone to bootleg it and put it on YouTube or like somewhere else. But I'm sure there's going to be people out there, especially the passionate uh, Kanye loyalists, that will just say, all right, I'm definitely going to buy this player just to listen to this album and then see where it goes from there. So I think we're on marketing side. It feels like a high price point. It's super high price point, like 200 bucks like for a speaker. I'm not sure. But I think this is like a really good... Um, Good uh, education on branding because the Kanye brand, even though as much controversy and that much as polarizing as he is, he does one get a lot of PR. Benny, he does. We're so, always talking about Yay. Yep. <laughs> always, always about Yay. His his new nickname is Yezus. You heard that? Oh, okay. Okay. I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh. Walt Disney. Nike, Google. <laughs> but the brand is strong, right? And then once you have a, broad, a strong brand, this is going to apply to anything. Once you have a strong brand, you could cross sell, you can move people in directions just based on the power of that brand. Apple does this a lot. Nike does it a lot. Kanye is demonstrating this now with the music. So I'll be curious to see how this does. If he actually just leaves it, actually like, if he follows through and actually just puts his album on this speaker he has, or eventually he really like two months, like a month down the line, said, damn, I'm not making no money from this album. I'm not selling no albums. I'm going to cave in and put it on Spotify and Apple again. His experiment failed, you know. But at the end of the day, it's still creating awareness for this 
speaker. And if he, even if he does put on Spotify and Apple, he created enough awareness and maybe potential demand for people to buy his $200 device, right? So he wins the end of the day. I think hit, so two things. If I was Kanye's PR person, I would try to partner him with someone super wholesome right now. <laughs> he needs like a good look. I I feel like get well, and Timothy Chalamet together on like, I don't even know. On, a, uh, on like a walk through a garden, uh-huh. like a, a weekly walk with Timothy and Ye. Like that is what I would do if I was his PR person. We need to pair him with someone super grounded that everyone loves. And then the second thing I would say is they are spinning this story as if it's, you know, what, what you're explaining it as is a really good revenue driver for him, which is the bottom line and probably why he's doing it. But the way they're telling this story in the press is that he's trying to take a stand just like Taylor Swift did, by the way. So their paths crossed again, which is really interesting about the amount of revenue that artists actually get. Uh, good those point. Platforms. Good point. Yeah, he's trying to frame and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be the, the artist that's trying to disrupt and get what's you know, fair. But he's trying yeah. to sell his own product too, right? So it's kind yeah. of... Yeah, I cannot buy into this like activist yay. Yeah, activist yay. But that's what they're trying to spin it as. And I think it's it's smart because other artists have done it before. But this is a different way to approach it with the hardware. Totally. So yeah, I'll be able to look out for that. And then our last hot topic is, Sawyer brought this up, CBS. I think they're trying to, CBS, we all know CBS, popular uh, pharmacy. And I guess they're trying to, you know, break new grounds of being digital, Sonia. But what did they just do? Yeah, so three days ago from this recording, CBS tried to launch this big press release that was like, we are having our first digital only experience oh my god and you're like what is that like is cbs going to be in the metaverse are we <laughs> pharmacies in the metaverse NFT, something like uh, nft medicine yeah exactly um no it turns out the digital first experience all it is is that you can order covid19 tests from home and pick them up <laughs> at cbs <laughs> It's as if every person on CVS's executive board had never heard of Postmates or GoPuff <laughs> or Uber Eats. Like, I don't, they really tried to be like, I'm, we're so proud of this. And it's like, first of all, we're in what, COVID's junior year. You're like way <laughs> behind. Second of all, you're probably 10 years behind in this like order and pickup situation. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even more because, you know, Papa John's has been doing that. <laughs> yep, definitely. So did they hype it up? Like, like how did they hype it up? Was it like all over like the press? Ads? Yeah, this was a total fail. This <laughs> bad branding campaign. This is like the opposite of Build-A-Bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This did not resonate with millennials at all. I don't know who they were trying to target. It's not necessarily a single innovation as much as it is the approach to innovation and really a team that has this like relentless approach 
to look under every rock and try and find every opportunity that exists and really not be satisfied just with good enough and always try and find that next thing. It was sad. And I don't know if they're just trying to, my, okay, here's my guess. I have no idea, but obviously, like you said, COVID is winding down a bit. The people who did, who would get vaccines probably have gotten vaccines and they did have their best quarter last quarter in Q4. And so I don't know if they're just trying to show that they're still doing things for their stock yeah. to stay up. But I'm like, this is not the way to go about it. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a fail. But it's interesting because a lot of brands now, in the last, I think last six months, they're talking about expanding their digital presence or entering the digital world, right? Right. Sonia, how do you feel about brands trying to you know, enter this space? Do you think it's meant for all brands? Do you think some brands just sit home and not even try to go to this party? <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts? Like, do you think like we every brand has to go into like the metaverse, the digital world to be successful in the future? Or should it be just, you know, pick and choose? Like it's only meant for some. Yeah. I mean, I think that. TikTok is a good example of this. There's quite a difference of like brands presence on Instagram, Facebook versus TikTok. I think a lot of brands didn't want to touch TikTok and still don't. They don't understand it. They don't think they belong there and they might not. Based on this example, CVS probably should not. <laughs> so I don't want to say it's for some brands and not for others, but I think, I think it comes down to being okay, listening to younger employees sometimes when it comes to the metaverse or new technology, you shouldn't be scared of the, you shouldn't be intimidated by them and you should be open to listening to people who will be on them and engaging with them. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I think um, I think we've been part of companies where sometimes the heads don't listen to the underlings. Yeah. And because of that, it uh, makes the company, it leads the company to being irrelevant or not as in tune with what's going on with the world, society, and culture. Yeah. And it's a bummer for them because they miss out on if on opportunities. If CVS had asked anyone under maybe, you know, a certain age, if this digital first experience made sense, they would tell them, no, there's three other very popular apps where you can already do that. And you don't have to go pick it up in store. You can have someone bring it to you even. Uh, yeah. I think it could be, a, this could be a bigger topic for another episode, but I think it's a lot about pride and ego at companies like that, where the old folks, they held it down for so long. They're not going to listen to a young ass worker and get tips from them, right? It sounds extremely ageist, but I, I think if they had asked anyone, someone would have been like, wait, Postmates. <laughs> this is literally just Postmates. For sure. All right. All right. So on to our next segment. We like to call this part the strategy breakdown, where we kind of look at a campaign or a strategy that's out there in the world and kind of break it down to more simple 
uh, layman terms, or even kind of uncover the, the moving parts behind it. So like I mentioned earlier, we're getting marketed to 24 seven. And as consumers, sometimes we just see the face value, but we don't think about why it's we're seeing this or what this purpose of this marketing campaign uh, has. So I think for the first ever strategy breakdown, I, liked, I nominated uh, the Coinbase Super Bowl ad. So uh, obviously the Super Bowl is probably the most popular uh, television event of the year. Ads go for for like six $6 million for a 30 second spot. And one of the most captivating or I guess uh, engaging commercials that played that day was the Coinbase ad. Um, so yeah, can you describe it for people who- Yeah. Yeah, so Coinbase, if you guys don't know, is like a cryptocurrency trading platform, Bitcoin for uh, those folks. So you go on Coinbase, you could buy, sell, and hold cryptocurrencies like coin, uh, Bitcoin on the app itself. It's actually a pretty big company. It's like a, it's a, one of the earliest platforms out there. It's a public company. You can actually buy Coinbase stock. And um, it's huge. It's, it has 73 million users available in 100 countries. They process over $327 billion in crypto volume a quarter. It's so like it's, a bank for crypto. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, it's a bank for crypto, pretty much, or like a, a trading platform like Fidelity, Vanguard, yeah. all those big guys, you know. Um, so they launched a 60-second Super Bowl ad where it was like a black screen. And on that black screen was a QR code just floating around like a screensaver, bouncing up the, the sides and whatnot. And that's all it was, just a QR code. And during the whole pandemic, QR codes, you know, became superstars. It was everywhere. And I think- um, They finally had their moment. They had their moment. You know, QR codes have, have been around forever. And then pandemic just elevated star status, you know? And yeah, I, we really tried to make them work. Like <laughs> even at Uber Eats, we would put QR codes on the handouts we had and no one liked them. No one would visit the site, but now people are very like comfortable with them. I think people just didn't know what they were. I think they were just like, yeah. without like just designs, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, so the Coinbase app is literally just a QR code going around the screen for 60 seconds. Yeah, it bouncing it, around like an old Windows. Yeah, screen saver. Nostalgia again. Yeah, nostalgia. And then if you scan the QR code, you get led to a, a landing page with, which gives you $15 in free Bitcoin if you're a new Coinbase user. So it was such a popular ad that uh, it saw 20 million site visits within a minute and the site actually crashed and it got a lot of people talking. It got a lot of people, just a lot of blogs, a lot of you know, folks just talk about, Oh, did you see that Bitcoin base ad? And, uh, I thought this was a good nominee to break down because it was such a simple ad, but for, from a marketing sense, I thought it was excellent. I think it was probably the best ad I've seen in a long time from a marketing standpoint. Um, but explain why I so yeah. first of all from a creative standpoint there was no production <laughs> no production at all so when you make an ad or any kind of ad on on any platform you usually get you know a certain budget for production meaning filming the video and a certain amount that you can spend on actually buying that media space and to me the first 
part of why this was genius is that was probably like a, a very, very low production <laughs> cost. Sure, yeah, I'm sure he got an intern just to make it. It was, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then they could use the rest of their budget to just get that space which as Rex mentioned, goes for millions. Yeah, so yeah, so Coinbase actually paid $14 million for that spot. There you go. Yeah, but the genius part in my opinion was, so commercials in general are hard to measure attribution. So attribution means saying that a customer bought this product because of this thing, this marketing tactic. Because if you think about it, commercials, you just play on TV, YouTube, whatever, and people see it, but sometimes it's hard to say, oh, I saw this ad, and because of this ad, I went to this website and bought this product. It's very, it's a very um, not precise way to market, but it does have, you know, good brand awareness and whatnot. So the genius thing about this ad was because since people had to scan the QR code to go to the landing page, Coinbase could say, oh, we got X amount of scans in this QR code. And they can attribute that scan to the commercial itself. So that's highly genius because if you work in marketing, attribution is key because if I'm spending 14 mil on a, on a commercial, the CEO is going to say, how much return did you get from that spend? You know, and Coinbase, for, yeah, I'm sure the marketing team say, oh, we spent 14 mil. We got over 20 million scans. That's less than a dollar per scan, which is like really cheap, right? And as when you, if you guys pursue more jobs in marketing or work in marketing, you guys get this all the time. Like, how are you spending your money and what's your ROI? Return on investment, not an acronym. Yeah. So, how much did it cost you to get someone to spend money with you? Yeah. And this has been a challenge forever, basically, since the digital evolution. Yeah. People have been trying to make complicated algorithms to figure out what the return is on a commercial because there's no we're in a digital world we're used to seeing that you clicked on an ad and then you purchase in a commercial we can't really we don't know for sure um and this is kind of big brothery and that's <laughs> i i mean it's the flip side of marketing but it's also how we track our effectiveness as well yep and that because of that i thought that i was genius for how simple it was and i think just in the last year and a half the adoptions of qr code codes made that made it possible you know and this might change commercials no definitely i guarantee you everyone's gonna copy this because like i said everyone has been looking for a way to measure effectiveness one-to-one -one. yeah i would not be surprised to see a lot of commercials adopting qr codes in like yeah, the front of the screen at the tail end on the, the, the you know the end card and just trying to track again how did this commercial perform how many sales did it lead to and i think yeah coinbase adds game change in my opinion so don't be everyone will copy it definitely. even digital brands were trying to include like your special urls for people to visit but that doesn't work well either so this could be this could set the tone now for like TV marketing. Oh, definitely. I think so. But and, uh, don't, forget, don't forget to mention, this was wonderful. This was wonderful. We have 
a conspiracy, <laughs> which makes it even more interesting. Yeah, I was gonna get into that. So, like, like I mentioned, the site got twenty million hits within one minute, which crashed the site. But I heard rumors, mostly on Twitter, <laughs> that um, Coinbase kind of shut down the site and made it look like it was crashing, uh, which is actually pretty genius. Sonia and I were talking about this because. Well, first off, like Coinbase is a huge platform. It generates over $300 billion of transactions a quarter, right? So 20 million visits in a minute. Yes, it's a big strain, but I feel like if you're preparing a Super Bowl commercial with the intent of reaching hundreds of millions of people, wouldn't you as a tech company kind of prepare for that? Right. So that's the first thought. So I think they crashed the site. One, think about this. If you go to a website and it crashes, there's two things that can happen. One is bad PR which there's no reason to think it's bad PR. You get PR, it's going to continue that conversation about Coinbase. And two, not being able to redeem and get the free 15 bucks in uh, Bitcoin makes you want it even more. It makes you want to come back to the site and try to keep on and trying to get that, um, that, that, that promotion over and over again. There's an exclusivity. Yep. You want something more and you can't have it. And yeah, I, I think... If this conspiracy is true, it's genius. <laughs> it's it's like closing closing the doors on a really popular bar. Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely. And the last piece, again, I didn't visit the site, but typically when you have like a failed, like a, a crash website or a failed website, you have like some placeholder landing page. Oh, like, sorry, we'll be back soon. And tip, like sometimes you'll have like a place where you put in your emails. Oh, drop in your email and we'll let you know when we're back up. There's uh, another part of the conspiracy. Oh, if you crash the site, you know, drop in your email. Coinbase, this is a great method for Coinbase to collect email addresses. Yeah. And you do retargeting marketing after the fact. Say, oh, we have all these email addresses now. We can do a bunch of marketing and hit all these people that are interested in the site. And then a lead is always good. And a, the funnel, which is... So you talked about before, starts with a lead, they nurture them down the funnel, hopefully they don't get stuck and they eventually become a paying customer. Right. So, you know, so genius move by Coinbase in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. This, this was a win. Okay, awesome. Well, Coinbase, <laughs> we salute you. Yeah, well, sorry, do you have any Bitcoin? No, I, I want to, so. <laughs> But then I got worried because of the encryption stuff. So I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't worry about it. It's kind of crashing right now. But Bitcoin, because again, this could be for another episode. Bitcoin is another, cryptocurrencies is the thing that brands are trying to do, which they're trying right. to be cool and smart and young. Yes, yes. Everyone thinks that everything should be an NFT. We yeah. can talk about that next time. Yeah, we'll see you for next but time. But for this episode, let's, saunter into the cool down so what is the cool down um, this is our section to share our what's top of mind for us this week our nuggets of wisdom something we've learned something even we're struggling with just because if the goal is to make this relatable we're going to be transparent with you guys so what's top of mind right now rex uh, top of mind, I guess just looking at the work week, it was a pretty busy work week at, you know, at the company. We're a growth startup, so we're always trying to launch new 
uh, start uh, campaigns and whatnot. But I had two, I guess, revelations this week. Um, so on Sunday, which was Super Bowl Sunday, we were still trying to get this uh, partnership campaign out the door. It was like a pretty chaotic, and people were still working on Slack even on the Sunday, even during even right before the Super Bowl too. And it, it kind of brought me back to like our Uber days, where we we're kind of like just working whenever, just to get things done. Yeah, all the time. I think that's something that, like, that's something that's expected of being a startup, right? Like you're, you're always kind of on call, and you're kind of like always you're preparing for the worst. But then also too, it shows you how resourceful and how innovative your teammates and you could be, because as when you work for a startup, you have to make a dollar at 15 cents and just make magic happen when you have nothing at all. Yeah. We did that a lot back at Uber Eats where we made some really cool things happen and we just like figured it out somehow, some way. And usually it was last minute. So I think um, that's a little tidbit. It's like where if you want to work in a startup space, do not expect things to go right more than 50% of the time. <laughs> and uh, But then it's on you. I think it challenges you is like how innovative are you how quick are on the feet are you you know and it'll just test you to uh, test you as a marketer like how creative are you to like turn things around yeah i guess it's a shift in perspective if things don't go right or do things just not go the way they were supposed to or the way you expected them to yeah so that, i think that was a, a big thing that really stuck out to me this week but um i love that what you'd tell you what you got Top of mind for me is, I'm not even sure what to call them. I'm just going to call them accomplishment lists. Everyone should have an accomplishment list, which is like a bragging document that is a private note on your phone. It's only for you, a private document with your personal Gmail. And you should be tracking the things that you're doing high impact things wins because like Rex is saying, especially if you work at a busy company, which most marketers have a to-do list of a million miles long, but it doesn't even matter what your role is, that every week, you know, at 3 p.m., 4 p.m. on Friday, set yourself a reminder to add whatever you did that week that worked to your accomplishments list. And then when it's time to negotiate for a raise, when it's time to look for your next move and redo your resume, you're not starting from scratch. You're not going to remember in those times that six months ago you redid the project management process and doubled output. You need to be writing those things down as you go along. So that's my nugget. Everyone should have a bragging doc. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a good tidbit. I need to do that too because. We're all like we are, we accomplish so much, and sometimes you just forget. And sometimes, yeah. and you're, and I feel like the only time you're forced to remember what you did in the past years, like during year-end reviews, and I'm sure most of the time you just forget everything, anyways. Um, so yeah, to your point, Sonia, you want to get paid. So like me and Sonia, we're trying to give you that wisdom, but also try to get you paid too. Uh, yeah, and this is our unsolicited advice. But if you want our solicited advice, or have a situation that you want us to weigh in on, we're going to start a different section at the end called Call Your Mentor. We're your new mentors. Hello. Call us. Don't actually call us because no one likes making a phone call anymore. So 
instead, write us at stuckinfunnelpodcast at gmail.com. Or if IG is more your thing, you can DM us on Instagram. We're at Stuck in Funnel Podcast. Follow us. Yeah. Also follow us. And then if you're on Twitter, follow us or tweet us at Stuck in Funnel Podcast. And we'll be answering your questions, helping you along the road. It doesn't matter if you're a marketer or not. If you have any kind of career questions, we're opening, opening our inbox, opening our DMs. Yep. Yeah, so I think uh, Sonia and I are pretty excited about this podcast. It's, uh, I guess, a maturation of millennial trash. Uh, but hopefully we can still you know, touch on millennial. We, we're going to aim to touch on millennial topics, still, but put a, put a more marketing sense to it. But yeah, we want to talk about the hot topics of the, the culture and society. We want to bring our marketing friends on board to you know, talk about what they're doing in their jobs and get some get perspectives on different marketing roles and different companies. And um, I think at the end of the day, we want to just make sure, you know, help people understand the marketing world a little bit better and do it in a fun way and not like these uh, boring ass snooze fesses that they call them uh, marketing <laughs> podcasts are. But. Yeah, so this was our first episode. And if you have any feedback, we're, please, we welcome it. Let us know. How can we make this better? What, what do you want more of? What do you want less of? Yep. And if you liked it, please share it with your family and friends. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, um, uh, I got nothing else. Any closing words? Okay. We'll see you guys next episode. Thanks for listening. Yep. Uh, we are still millennials, just no longer trash. Yep. We've evolved beyond the trash. All right. See you guys.